Welcome to this special edition of Soulful Sessions, a series called Mindful Men, talking with men from each generation, uh, broken up by decades, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s. Each of the gentlemen that are featured on the Mindful Men series will be asked some of the same questions and will be kind of flowing with the conversation, the captivating conversation between myself and each one of them. It'll be, it's an interesting experiment in the differences between men and women and our approach to mindfulness, our definition of mindfulness, how we integrate both the masculine and feminine qualities of ourselves, both of which are inside each of us, whether we identify as a man or a woman, there are masculine qualities and feminine qualities. So we'll be talking a bit about that as well. So please stay tuned for this special edition of Soulful Sessions, Mindful Men. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Soulful Sessions. It is a special series called Mindful Men. And with me today is John Stahl. And he has graciously agreed to come on and talk about mindfulness in the decade of your 30s. So living in your 30s. Um, John is a dude in his 30s living in South Florida. He has reached his third decade of life only to find the constant existential dread will not abate for a treacherous soul like his. He works as an independent business strategist, leading others to growth and satisfaction while he continues to seek for the very same thing. This mangled path has led to many interesting events, including a journey in esports investments and entrepreneurship. Now he resides in some unknown realm, contemplating his successes and failures, looking for another twisted path to travel while the echoes of thirsting laughter haunt his dreams. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, before I get into my usual uh, sun sign, moon sign, rising sign, and what he's known for saying, I ask every guest that comes on the show to send me a bio, which then I usually tweak and fit into this, you know, kind of a sense of who this person is and what we're going to be talking about. And John sent me what I just read. I changed nothing because I thought it was so fun and such a great compact summary of what so many people feel. So a plus, John, if I were to grade that, that was awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Like even when I started, you know, as I was getting ready, I went into my normal like mode and I, and I, as I was looking at what was, I was getting ready to say when I was introducing you, I'm like, nothing that's in my head right now is fitting. So I like kind of paused for a second thinking, okay, what I, what's in my mind is not going to flow with what he said. So I'm just going to stop <laughs> talking and just read it. So cool. That is, that is John Stahl in his own words. Um, <laughs> he is known for saying, well, that's it, Jim. And we're going to talk about the little, the stories behind that. Mm -hmm. And also want to let everyone know a little bit about John. And as far as his, his signs, you know, we always, I, I talk about everyone's sun sign, moon sign, rising sign. And it's really fun to go back and look at, you know, where, where you are in the astrological spectrum. So let me just pull this up here. I thought I had it up on my screen, but for some reason it has disappeared. So I'm going to find that and... So, John, while I'm looking for that, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, your quote, what you're known for saying? 
Oh my goodness, that's it, Jim. I use it, well, it took me a while to figure out what what actually do I say a bunch and so like Jim originally was a dog and like and it was this like little Yorkshire Terrier um, I think it was and like we I, I would hang out with my friends and the dog would hang out with us and then all of a sudden he would just want to leave and I'd be like oh well that's it Jim and like <laughs> I kept and I kept saying it for three decades basically and and like whenever we would um be out at night or something and <laughs> it's time to call be like, well that's it Jim or like or I would use it as like a compliment if like someone like figured out something or said so, like a really good idea I just keep saying it and like and I didn't realize I said it that much until I asked some friends like what do you have any idea of what I say a lot? <laughs> that was the first thing out of everyone's mouth. I'm like, wow, okay, I do. Thanks. Maybe I should be really? aware. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my gosh, that's actually that's pretty funny. So it's no, like, it weren't even aware that it's something you said all, all the time. No. And like <laughs> by like the third person who said it, I'm like, all right, uh, there's a pattern here. So <laughs> I got my I got what I'm known for saying now. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let, let me share a little bit with you about your astrology. So uh, I asked John if he could send over, if he knew what his sun, moon, and rising sign were. He did actually know his sun and moon. I was pretty impressed with that. Uh, as most folks know, I follow the, um, as of recently, early on in the podcast series, I would talk about astrology and, and based on mm -hmm. the tropical system. I've since moved to the Vedic system, which is a little bit different. The timings okay. are a little bit different mm -hmm. and your sun, moon, and I mean, all your signs and planets may shift based on the Vedic okay. system. Okay. So it's, it's, the tropical is based on a movement and the Vedic system is based on a fixed system. So, okay. On, in the Vedic system, um, you are a Sagittarius sun, a Taurus oh. moon, and a Virgo rising. Uh, Virgo. I feel that's pretty different from what I'm used to yes. being told. Yes. Uh, so what I often tell people when they're hearing this for the first time is to embrace the idea of the, of the what-if possibility. Cool. And tune into the aspects of each of these new constellations to you, these new signs to you, mm -hmm. and how that resonates and feels. So Sagittarius is, um, it's a fire sign. It's a masculine sign. It is definitely one, it's the archer is mm. the, um, is the uh, symbol of Sagittarius or an arrow. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. laser focused. You have your eye on wow. something. You work towards that. You don't mind working you will you are, are the go-getter you're going to get things done there's a fire in you of like mm -hmm. um change making change and doing doing the work and it's like you're not afraid to do the work if you need to yeah. um taurus moon is you know your moon is your inner world that that relationship you have with yourself the relationship mm -hmm. you have with your mother um mm -hmm. it's a you know taurus is all about it's a feminine sign. It's an earth sign, but the symbol is a bull. So there is some stubbornness in there. <laughs> there is some, um, you know, kind of firing off in a sense, but it's also about luxury. It's also about, um, you know, taking in beauty. It's about enjoying the finer things, food and wine mm -hmm. and dance oh, and song. It's like all of those things are part of you as well. Mm -hmm. 
then Virgo rising, your rising or your ascendant sign is what you're here to rise into, to step into, to transform yourself in some way. And with Virgo, Virgo is actually, the, the symbol is this, um, like a goddess symbol, but mm -hmm. it's really about uh, that, that rel it's reliable, super organized, um, you know, uh, getting mm -hmm. systems in place and really tuning into the the flow of nature and how that can pr propel you forward as well. So there's mm. all these things that kind of tie in together. And when I was sharing that, I noticed like you were some of it you were thinking, some of it yeah. You were like, oh yeah, I get it. Um, yeah. So talk, share with me if you or in the, and the listeners if you don't mind a little bit about what was going through your mind when I was reading you know, kind of reading you, quote unquote, logically. Yeah. Um, well, well, I find it interesting because, um, forgive me if I'm wrong. So like I been told that like I've been a Capricorn, which is more of like an earth sign. Yeah. And I've always been like, yeah, I guess I can, I can see that. And um, because I will use the word disagreeable instead of stubborn, but stubborn. That <laughs> <laughs> um, I can definitely, you know, be that way. But like, I never really felt like it's a good fit because I do have uh, moments of, of of passion, especially when it comes to to interests and and, and stuff. So so a Sagittarius, and like even on the other system, I think I'm on the cusp of a Sagittarius too. So that makes some sense. So it's very interesting. Cause like, I don't know, fire is fun. And like, when you mentioned <laughs> Taurus moon, it's very, I thought that was kind of funny because um, I was thinking about the, the other day, like a lot of like my core group of friends are, are Taurus. So I'm like, Oh, I wonder if that has something to do with it. Because I always thought it was weird because I, I, I was surrounded by earth signs, uh, excuse me, fire signs while I was like earth I'm like how oh, how do I mesh with these people um and like and like when you mentioned like the stubborn part I'm like okay so maybe the stubborn part isn't coming from like a Capricorn but it's coming from a moon and like I when I chuckled was when you were mentioning uh like the luxury like wine and and music I'm like yeah yeah that's about right yeah uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and um yeah, no, uh, just just for the people listening, I'm, um, I love wine, started a wine tasting group with my friends, I go out to Cali regularly, um, personally invested in some wineries out there, so wine's a very big part of my life, and then um, I'm still trying to interpret the Virgo rising, I've never really made it that far in astrology, past the moon sign, to be real honest, yeah. so. Well, maybe we'll, maybe you and I will have a, uh, another deeper conversation, maybe. maybe with some wine over, mm -hmm. uh, talking over what some that means. Of these aspects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cause it's, it's really, really interesting and fascinating. Like once you, you yeah. know, get into it. So, um, all right, so let's, let's just get going here and let's get started Absolutely. with my, with my opening question. I ask all my guests that come on the show to, mm. uh, tell us about an experience that lit you up where you just knew like knew your soul was talking to you. Oh goodness. Um, that really lit me up that I knew my soul. Hmm. Um, that is a good question. I, I'd, I'd say, um, 
one one moment that really like lit my soul up um i have two stories one's a little bit more like mundane um and one's another like a little bit more fun so i was out in um california and i was out for a um conference and and it was a shame because it was a, a a video game conference called blizzcon which is super big and it's super fun people are drinking fun colorful beers and dressed up all silly and like it was great but i couldn't go to any of that because i was there for business um but like one moment where like i really kind of like felt my soul light up was there was this one like a private event where we were going to reveal the name of an esports team and like i was mixing with people who like i normally wouldn't like some like athletes people who knew nothing about video games and like and and like normally talking about video games and stuff it's it, it for the longest time it's been pretty niche and so it was the first time where like i felt like i was educating um other people who really had no clue about what this was and it was fun and like and like we we fed off our like each other's energy and like um and like i i ended up getting to teach a former Super Bowl winner how to play this one video game Overwatch, which was just super fun. And, and, and he, and, oh my goodness. And it was just, it was just great. And, um, it was just it was like, it was meshing people from like the wine industry. So I was able to talk to them like, yeah, you should come play video games. And, uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> no, yeah, it was great. And like, um, a, a, a little bit more mundane example was, um, so at the beginning of COVID I was, trying to think of something I could do indoors that was like nice and safe and like when I was younger I was very into the arts and like painting and I'm like let's do that again and um but like I wanted to to do more than just painting so I did like like I would buy these like fun looking models and then paint them and like and just like finding that old passion again was just like it was like it was like being reunited with like a best friend and like, and frankly, my first models looked like crap, but like, I didn't really <laughs> care because I'm like, ah, I brought this into reality. I know like it was, it's, it's like mundane, but like, I was so happy. So it was great. <laughs> I, I mean, I actually, I love that story because it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, tuning into, you know, what you're really called to do or how you can mm -hmm. express yourself. And what I found oftentimes is like, if you, if you're kind of in this place where you're not sure where to, which way to go or what to do, where you're at a crossroads, mm -hmm. when you tune back into things you used to love, like when you yeah. go back to when you were a kid. And mm -hmm. like for me, I used to walk my long driveway gra that was gravel and search for rocks. They were all yeah. really technically like the same rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. granite like this granite sort of um rock that gray but mm -hmm. i would find the one that had the most sparkles and the nicest shapes and things and so i loved doing that and that was the segue for me into you know my business karmic kindness which where i created jewelry out of stones mm -hmm. finding the right stones finding the perfect thing for people which then you know obviously transformed into what i'm doing now but it's just interesting like you know, when you're, when you kind of tune back into those, those passion projects, those, those yeah. aspects of you that you really, really enjoyed where it was your soul yeah. talking to you and, and lighting you up. It's mm -hmm. always a, it's always the right path. It's always pointing you in a direction, whether, you know, I don't know if you're looking to sell your, your art, your models that you're making, Maybe. but 
but I love them too much. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I like you're like you're connected yeah. to them. And now I'm yeah. like curious. I want to check those out sometime, John. Sure. Um, and, um, so, all right. So to get to like the next kind of um, the the mindful men piece, obviously. So yeah. that's the 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 name of the show. What does the word mindful or mindfulness mean to you? Hmm. Um, I. So so when I when I first thought of this is I didn't really know exactly what mindfulness was to me it was a simple definition of of being self-aware but um it's really more than that it's 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 more than just that simple definition and and at least for me it's being more than just like aware of like your ego, your mental self. It's also being aware of like the physical side of things. And, and that has been at least a personal journey I've been on is understanding more of like the physical connection to, to your mind, to your ego. And like for the longest time, that is, I've really neglected that link. And it's, and it kind of comes back to like, my childhood where like I interpreted the soul as somewhat detached from the body and the body was merely a vessel. And, and, and so I kind of came from like a really neglectful part of, of, you know, my body was very like almost the negative side of stoicism. And, um, to be honest, I'm not really entirely sure where they came from. Like I grew up in a very, um, traditional Christian background. Um, and sometimes there, it, it, I'm not blaming Christian doctrine, but I'm, I'm saying sometimes in like that culture, there's, there's a, a, a focus on the soul and less on the body, like where the body is carnal and carnal desires are looked down upon, even though if you ask like a priest, they'd say, well, not really, but you know, the culture can sometimes be different yeah i totally i totally resonate with that you know that is that's a great point um no one has brought that up thus far as far as mm. tying in the what we were taught if you were raised in a christian mm -hmm. um yeah. faith mm -hmm. and all of the things that they decree are a sin are inappropriate yeah. don't do mm -hmm. xyz so mm -hmm. it, i can see where there would be a little bit of a divide between you know, your soul self, mm -hmm. your yeah. mental self and your physical mm -hmm. self were yeah. really, I guess what you're saying is, is it's about bringing all of those together yeah, and to kind of having, having them all in alignment and in tune with one another. Yeah. And yeah. And so it's, it's, it's like, you know, at, at least for me, what I, what I kind of discovered is like, the, the neglect of, of like, let's say my physical health hurts, you know, my ability to handle stress, which then like affects other things. Or like if my, my diet isn't right, I, I have a lot of like internal inflammation, which then affects mood. And then, you know, it, it really inhibits the way I'm able to, to live my life, shall we say. And, and like just, recognizing that there's a physical aspect to to like my spirituality was a surprisingly difficult hurdle because i always had the view of like this 
spiritual side trumps everything. And like, if it was affected by the physical that somehow diminishes its value and that's, that's not true. And like, that was just, and like, I, that's just something I, I grow to appreciate the older I get. Um, and, and like, I realize I can't push myself to some way the same way I did in like my twenties where I could go, you know, 48 plus hours without sleep to get something done or something like that. And like, just the havoc that did to myself. I remember one time, I forget exactly what project it was, but like I, I pushed a 72 hours. And I remember one time reading like, oh, after 72 hours, you start hallucinating. I'm like, that's not going to happen to me. And, and I saw a black cat that wasn't there. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So we're wondering if that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yes. Oh, goodness. Well, so actually, this is a great segue to, you know, the next question, which is about strategies that you found to work best when you're in overwhelm, confusion, or high stress, you know, particularly during these times of unrest and uncertainty. So you mentioned supporting the physical body with, mm. you know, what uh, food, like what food yeah. or uh, food adequate. What, what have you found to work really well for you? Um, for me, I, I found that, um, especially cause I work for myself, I, I found that having a, a clearly defined schedule really works for me because for a while I had like no schedule and really what that would be, that'd be just like a mad rush at the end of the deadline and that's unhealthy. And, um, but like at the same time, my personality kind of dictates that I want some flexibility. So like what, what I try to do is, um, because like, I know that I'm a fairly neurotic person and like, if my, if I let my neurosis, shall we say, get too high, it hurts like my conscientiousness. So, like it's a constant battle where like, if I feel like I'm in overwhelm, I have to minimize the stuff that like inflames my anxiety. So like I have to, I switch from like coffee, which I desperately love to, to either like some sort of, of tea that just does not have the caffeine. Um, because I know as soon as I have that caffeine, it's not going to stop. It's going to be a steady flow. Um, and like the more anxiety I have, I can't stick to my schedule. It's harder for me to, to focus. So like I try to lower uh, my intake of stimulants, of sugar, of, of um, caffeine. And then like what I, what I try to do, I try to practice some level of, of stoicism where I try to separate myself from the problem and see it like from a tactical perspective. And um, I find once I remove my ego from something, I can more like understand what's actually upsetting me and like what I may need to do to approach it. But like, I, I'm not the best at that. I still have some growing to do. Um, uh, and I, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll be real. So with the ego part, like removing yourself. So, and you were talking yeah. about separating yourself from the problem and kind of, you know, taking a tactical approach. So, yeah. you know, I think removing the ego is one of the hardest things to do. So yeah. is there a visualization that you have? Mm. Or how do you, how do you find, it, 
you're able to remove the ego from yourself in that moment in order to look at the situation differently. Mm -hmm. um, so like, it depends on like, um, how do I describe this? Like the situation almost. So one thing I do a lot is um, I use music to kind of regulate my behavior. So like if I find I'm in a particularly rough spot, um, I have a few like favorite songs that like I'll go to that will kind of like, and I, I like the sound of dissonance. So like, it's mostly like metal or like hard rock or something, or like sometimes the rare electronic dance track, um, that helps like be a catharsis for that emotion. And then once I'm not dealing with that emotion, I find it a little bit easier to like meditate and then relook at the problem. If it's like the moment, um, this took some practice where like, it just be something as simple as me, like taking a breath and just being like, all right. And I'll just let myself kind of feel my feelings and be like, okay, why is this here? And like what I need to do. And so like it, I prioritize what I need to do, uh, my top three priorities. And then I try to execute and like part of it also is just letting go of what you can't control. And, and that's tough. That's, that's something I still wow. kind of like struggle with. That is a big, yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah. And, um, but like, you know, if, if you keep trying to control everything, you're going to end up not accomplishing anything and that's worse. So that's kind of what I try to remind myself of. Yeah. And, um, and that's still very much work in progress. And like part of all this is so like, yeah, I just hit my third decade of life and I still feel like I've so much work to do on myself. And like a lot of the journey I've had is just letting myself be like, it's okay. It's just to keep growing. And, um, and you know, ultimately everyone is still a work in progress. And so I, I try because I'm my own worst critic and as part of that, neuroticism and anxiety and and mixing with ambition to just create this really toxic thing that makes it difficult for me to accomplish things and it's just I just gotta not do it so. well you know it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like you are definitely one of many who have that have that mindset yeah. that, or that feeling of you know you have ambition all of these things mm -hmm. you really like to do but then there's anxiety around it as well and mm -hmm. this feeling of wow there's so much left for me to learn about myself about people about my role in the world about why we're mm -hmm. here and all of those different aspects yeah. and likely you know in in the times that we're in now during this the pandemic um, at the time of this recording, yeah, we're all being pushed on a bit more to mm -hmm. go within and take a look yeah. at ourselves and what's important and what do we want and how do we get there and what do we do. Yeah. So I, you know, I yeah. feel like that's a huge piece, you know, of mm -hmm. the process is the letting go of yeah. the, the letting go of the mm -hmm. expectations or the outcome and just letting life unfold. Yeah. I think we need yeah. harder than it needs to be. Oh God, do we ever. And, and like, 
I don't know. I, I, I keep thinking of like how much of this level of anxiety and expectations is, is somewhat of a cultural phenomena and, and like, and, and how much is this like unique to our highly individualistic Western culture where, where our primary worth is what we've accomplished, you know, trying to quantify it. And, and while I think quantifying things ultimately helps us improve ourselves, I think there's potential detriment. Like um, I, a couple of years ago, I spent some time in the Amazon off of uh, Ecuador and um, I was, I was doing this one um, procedure with this um, doctor down there, where it was like, it was this heavy cupping and like, it was combined with a spiritual aspect. So like, um, where, because when you cup your, you, you have some bruises and where your heaviest bruises represented some like chronic issue. And so, um, and so one of my heaviest ones were bruises on the neck, which is apparently where we store anxiety. Should he tell me be true? And he's <laughs> like, he's like, you Westerners are so anxious. And I'm like, I'm like, I guess. And, and he's like, you guys really need to like, you know, stop beating yourself up with all these expectations. It's, that's, a, that's a big one. Now for the, the listeners um, who may not know what cupping is, would you mind sharing your experience with, with that? Yeah. So, so cupping is this, this method to release um, tension in the muscles. So what it is, it's, it's either a glass or a plastic cup and they, they put it over um, a, a spot in your back and like, and suction. So like they're like suction cups. So they the whole point of it is to pull more blood flow into the muscles and so um if you remember a few years ago in the olympics you would see like swimmers with it down their spines like it was very popular for them to relieve tension um and so it's 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 kind of a holistic practice and um while i was down there it was recommended to me i'm like hey why not and um but like this one was a little bit different than like what the uh olympians would go through where they would just have it very localized this was like everywhere it was on my neck every part of my back my legs everything and um and 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 they leave behind these circular bruises and depending on where you hold tension represents different things and and um the the shoulders are like burden like you feel like you have a lot to take care of so so like if something's not right in like your career or something that might lead to very uh tense shoulders which once again you see a lot in the west um the mid back is grief um the lower back is insecurity and i found this one funny the butt is rage and like and so i, I did this I did I did this with um three friends and like it was kind of funny because we were all done we we're all kind of like naked and I'm like I was looking at their butts I'm like who has the most rage great yeah that would be an interesting experiment yeah people to do to have some sort of sense of how much rage are you like internalizing or like yeah. haven't dealt with you know and um no, so it's very, very interesting. Fortunately, we were a very relaxed crew. Um, so, so, but, but, good lord, 
did it hurt? Typically, cupping doesn't, but this one was meant to be a bit more tense. And oh boy, I almost asked him to stop when it got to the neck, which is also why he said you need to relax in your life. I'm like, all right, noted. Yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't have you, to torture me. <laughs> do you feel like you've done that since then? Um, yes, I do. Um, uh, especially because um, I did that again. Um, and the second time I didn't get bad bruises on my neck. So I did make some uh, improvements and a lot of it was just like, all right, I'm just gonna not really judge myself where I think I should be and really take things day by day, which was tough because I would like set goals for myself. Like, Oh, in this six months, I want to do this. And like, Oh my God, if I didn't, didn't accomplish that. I'm a fucking failure and like, but it's shifting my mindset to just take it day by day um, was a bit tough because I'm like, Oh no, I'm not going to be able to accomplish these things. But what it did was it would make me more accurate in what, in my daily goals. And so by letting go, I was actually able to, to focus more on stuff like that. So, and, and just for my overall mental health that it just, it did, it did wonders. Um, and like, it also made me much more sensitive to other people's anxiety where like, if someone had a little bit too much anxious aura, I'm like, I need to, I need to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's reminding me too much of my past self. Um, and also, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? No. And I was saying like, also, um, I've made substantial changes to my diet. Like, um, I had, um, I had way more sugar in my diet than I thought I did. Good Lord. Um, and getting over that, like I had a severe sugar addiction and like, it was scary. I've never really been addicted to something in my life, but like that, like first three days of me, like basically jonesing for like sugar. I'm like, this is a problem. Like, <laughs> what? and um like i've never like i've never had that with anything else in my life like even with alcohol i've gone like six plus months without alcohol never really cared much and i'm like but just i'm like this is 72 hours i can't go 72 hours without a cookie what's wrong with me it, you know, and then there is um you know there have been studies that have shown that sugar is like one of the if not the most addic- addictive substance that's mainstream mm-hmm you know, that you can yeah. get anywhere, anytime, you know, and the, out of curiosity, what was the one sugary item that you were, that you found yourself reaching for on a regular basis that when it disappeared, you were like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Um, so it was a couple. Um, the, the primary one was I have a fond love of chocolate chip cookies and like I would just pick up like a big thing of like five dollar one five dollar cookies and just and but like the thing is I would basically eat through that and I had a fond love an obsession over like Reese's but like I wouldn't get them much but like whenever I would buy a bag of Reese's there was a good 50% chance that bag would be done by the day and so like that's a shitload of sugar and um I still think about that occasionally. Um, and I miss it. Um, and, and 
another real sneak of, of sugar was like how much sugar I was putting in my coffee. So I tried drinking black or like putting like almond milk in it and, uh, and not put that sugar in there. And that took a while to get used to. Um, and just like in all the carbohydrates I ate, there's, there's always like sneaky amounts of sugar and, um, uh, and really trying to like knock that down to zero was actually, it was surprisingly difficult. Um, mm. Now I've reincorporated some sugar, uh, but mostly through fruits and I will eat the occasional sin of cookies. Um, <laughs> but, but like, Everything in moderation, bad. you know, I mean, yeah. it's reason to, to deprive yourself of things that you love and that you enjoy, like have yeah. every now and then. Have, it's just, it's just not killing me anymore. Yeah. You know, Maybe um, not a whole bag. Yeah, not a whole bag. Also, it turned out so, oh my God. So, so it turned, I had really bad adult acne at one point. And like, I remember being like 25 or something and being like, I was told this would end 10 years ago. <laughs> and, and like and like it still kept kind of following me and I would it turned out to really be the sugar is is the is is the point of the story and so once I cut that sugar out also I I needed more like vitamin d and zinc once I cut that out like it was gone and I'm like all of the money I spent on fucking dermatologists <laughs> and like and like these super powerful antibiotics they would just give me and and oh my god they destroyed my gut biome and like to the point where i remember i was doing my masters i got so sick my my stomach wouldn't really digest things and like if it did, I would get like super backed up. And I remember one time I just had so much stomach pain. I went to the ER and like, I had to get my system flushed out and, um, and I had a colonoscopy. It's the youngest person there. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and it's just, and like, and for the answer to be, oh, you just need to not, you just gotta cut sugar out. <laughs> Oh goodness! I wish I could have told my younger self, "Don't spend all of that money." And that you know, that's a great point, though, John. Is is kind of talking about the the body, the physical body, where we started this conversation, the physical mm -hmm. body, and pulling all the pieces together. Like, who knew that at the time? You know, you didn't mm -hmm. realize at the time that like what no. you were eating was affecting your. Skin. Yeah. And then yeah. on top of that, the mm -hmm. treatment, quote unquote, yeah. for it. Yeah. Was, antibiotics yeah. which then led to even more complication yeah with your gut and then your gut health directly mm -hmm. affects your mental health it does so i'm sure there you know i'm sure there were some cognitive there, shifts and things and yeah one of your you know uh john and i spoke mm -hmm. earlier uh about you know different projects and things that that he's passionate about and one of the things he mentioned was about modern society and mental health and so i feel yeah. like all of this just so ties in together it feeds it feeds into it yeah like i i don't know you know what it is it's, so like food isn't necessarily a cure but food is a preventative measure so like one thing that was super interesting that i i was 
learning about, um, especially because my uh, my grandmother had Alzheimer's, is um, the 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 brain damage that occurs to create Alzheimer's really happens like a decade before symptoms, and so like diet and all that can help mitigate symptoms, but you have to like you you have to be doing that before the symptoms occur, and 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 also like with a lot of our food. And this comes back to, to a personal example because my diet was so shit for so long. Um, and that combined with a little bit of a head injury, like uh, my endocrine system was just fucked up. And like, eh, and I didn't really realize that until I was working for one particular client. And um, my God, just, I, all this stuff led up to a point in my life where like it was affecting the way I worked. It was affecting the way how I felt. And that was the moment. It was, it was the moment I remember I was writing a report for these people trying to help them, you know, uh, get back profitability. And I was just not happy with my work. And I'm like, it was, it was the first moment I felt like I don't know if I can actually deliver. And I'm like, I've delivered before. What's the, the problem? And I just had like intense brain fog. And someone recommended to me, yo, get your blood levels checked. And I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, like that will reveal anything, right? So I go <laughs> and check my blood levels yet. And just was the internals of my body on fire. And like, uh, it was actually really helpful because like one thing, I was pre-diabetic, which I didn't know, which was good to catch early. And like just a bunch of hormones in my head were wrong. Just like I was underproducing everything, which which would lead to like the brain fog I was having, the mood decrease. Well, honestly, what scared me was the mood decrease because normally I'm uh, I, normally I have a pretty good mood, and but like I was just feeling like shit. And, and the doctor at first, she's like, um, we will give you some meds, but like, we're going to need to get you on a really strict diet, which looks like no processed foods, um, and, and removing that pesky sugar. <laughs> and, uh, and like through it, uh, it took a while to be fair. It took like 60 days, but like after that 60 days, I swear to God, it was like a switch. And I'm like, I felt human again. And, and I didn't want to become like the insufferable person. Like, Hey guys, it's diet. No. And like, but it made me think it's like, you know, obviously I'm not the only person with like a heavy amount of refined foods in my diet. And like my metabolic health is really poor. I'm like, I can't be the only person. And like, it was affecting me. You know, it's like, who knew like through my bad mood who's other like other person's days i might have ruined because of my like bad aura shall we say um or or like just just all of that it made me think of society it's like can we function as a society if like all of us potentially are somewhat affected by our food environment because like you know just looking at our food environment basically dictates what people eat and just like it's just it's all like the traditional american diet um is so awful and there's this new like category of foods that scientists use it's called like ultra processed foods 
and like it's 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 the stuff that has like no moisture because moisture um spoils foods and so like companies will remove moisture to um keep a higher shelf life and like it's just it's stuff that our body has more difficulty processing and like i read this statistic where like about only 12 percent of the population is metabolically healthy and i'm like it makes me think like if because it all it affects our mood and our minds and it's like we're making policy decisions with potentially incorrect brain chemistry that may skew our perceptions and like on like a like a macro level and we also make decisions day to day that are like i feel like we're all not running optimally and like what that potentially does to us i mean like right now i'm not really i'm not going to get political but like like right now with all this unrest like how much of that unrest is like a mixture of like like covid and like honestly just everyone essentially being poisoned for decades like i don't know and um yeah, that's a great yeah. point that you bring up too like you know about everyone operating from a lower level based on what they're putting into their bodies their bodies are not being supported so they're going yeah. out into the world at a lower vibration energetically yeah. from their physical mm -hmm. body and then they're, yeah. they're engaging and interacting with people and that yeah. it, that does affect people around them so yeah. just by changing our diets a bit, just improving yeah. the quality of food that we're eating directly mm -hmm. affects our mental health, our physical yeah. well-being, as well as those around us. So it's that's pretty profound mm -hmm. if you think about it. Yeah. And like um, one thing that I, and like the thing with diet is like the science is still so new. So like even if you are looking for answers, there's not a lot of reliable answers out there. And like one way to mitigate that um, someone recommended to me is like going like on an ultra elimination diet. So like if you're someone who's, who um, still has meat in their diet, one, one thing was recommended to me is like, you go with like a really healthily grown meats, so like free range chicken or beef, and it's fairly nutrient dense. And you go there and you, you stay there for a little bit, let your body like readjust and then re-add foods. And then like the moment you start feeling bad again then that's the food that your your body just doesn't mesh with and so like you you slowly and this process takes forever and i personally haven't done it just because of like the ridiculous amount of time this is going to take yeah. to re-add everything and then figure out oh goodness so i took my hat off to anyone <laughs> who does that um and it's just it just shows you how difficult this is my god well, the other thing yeah. I learned from one of my teachers is about the blood type diet. I don't know how many. Oh yeah. That, where mm -hmm. there you can, you can, I actually bought a little kit. It's just this little oh. diet on Amazon and yeah. it tell you your blood type if you don't know mm -hmm. it or if you want to confirm what it is. And then you can cool. look online and it, it, I found a PDF of the foods that are, that are cool. optimal, neutral and detrimental to you mm. based on your blood type. So that might be cool. an easier way, like the fast track, oh, yeah. bring it out, yeah. the elimination, which is probably the most accurate as far as what your body can handle and tolerate because you're experiencing yeah. it. But you're right. Mm. Good God, that would take, yeah. forever. It would take forever. No, and it's interesting you mentioned mm -hmm. that because um, I, uh, I, was, I was mentioning some of this to, to my parents and my mother popped out with this book about eating for your blood type. And she's like, here, I'm like, of course. 
course you have an answer. <laughs> and, um, and like, it was quite, all I remember, I didn't fully read it. I, so I'm an O positive. And like the one thing it told me to avoid was like uh, pastas. And I'm like, oh, I love pasta so much. And um, it's funny, John, I'm also O positive. And oh, really? Okay. What, what jumped out at me was to stay away from alcohol and caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. neither is oh. happening. I will I know. fully report. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I doubt that that will change anytime in the near future. Oh but, man! Yeah, it is uh, fascinating. It's really, yeah, it's really it is. Cool. Yeah. No, and it, it's just, you know, it just shows that finding finding the your health is also such an individual journey, which mm -hmm. is like romantic, but also maddening in somewhat a way because it's like <laughs> what answers. Um, yeah so so like it just it just makes me think of 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 modern society and like how we it, it's like it's somewhat scary it's how we just might not really know what it means to be truly mentally healthy and like especially within um western society i feel like we get potted a lot so like i i like we all each have our own uh, more so if you live in a city like you know like new york you you have your own like it's studio apartment that's like 10 by 10 something a nightmarish you know and it's like you don't know your neighbors the only food around you is ultra refined food and it's and like the work you do your boss doesn't really find you valuable and like it's not enough to live on and it's just it's it's like that's not how we are designed to function and i don't think that's particularly good for even many people in society and it just it makes me wonder i don't know how 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 to deal with it you know like what are we missing like what are we what exactly. are we doing what can we do differently going forward yeah, in order to exactly. support our, you know, yeah. ourselves mentally, physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, spiritually? Yeah. Shifting things like what we eat, the way we live, um, yeah. how we perceive things, how we receive things, mm -hmm. you know, which is also, you know, another uh, question I have for you too is about kind of it, it, balance is huge no matter what area you're talking about. But yeah. within us, we have the, these masculine and feminine qualities, some stronger than others in us as individuals, regardless of what gender you identify with. So the way society is structured, talking about society again, and the way nature is structured, how have you seen this duality of like more of the quote unquote masculine qualities or the feminine qualities show up in your life? And before you answer, I just want to... Um, give a short um, explanation of what I mean by masculine and feminine for the listeners, depending on when they're jumping into this mindful men series. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, masculine is not about men or, and feminine is not necessarily about women. Masculine mm -hmm. qualities are that are the qualities of action. Mm -hmm. Feminine qualities are more the, the, um, the action of receiving. And so mm -hmm. it's a very, it's a very different energy. It's more of that give and take sort yeah. of energy. Um, although women typically are the ones who are the givers, 
yeah. as far as of their time, their attention, their resources in that way. And um, however, men also are givers in their more financial resources, things like mm -hmm. that. It's a little bit of a different dynamic. Yeah. So with, like I said, within each of us, we've got the masculine and the feminine. So how have you seen in your life these different aspects play out that maybe that softer side of you versus mm. the, little, the more like, I, want, I don't want to say hard side, but that more that, that more stoic side and not the, yeah. the sense of stoicism, but just mm -hmm. like very, this is how it is kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Back it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I find it funny. It's like when I was, um, let's see, like middle school age i was um i was kind of no i might have been younger but i remember the first time i i was going to play tackle football um i remember my little young head was like why why would i want to hurt the other guy why would i want to tackle him that sounds like painful and i remember like it took me a while like i wasn't so much worried about myself like i just didn't want to hurt the other team I'm like oh, i know the other guy he's a cool guy <laughs> and, and like um uh, and like it took me a while to kind of like and like, i don't know why um to tap into like the more competitive disagreeable nature of myself uh, and like I, I don't know maybe i was more collectivists and tribal when I was younger I'm like oh they're part of the group you know I should do things you know for them not like hurt them and and like um and I got over that but um well I wonder how many other guys have had that same experience how many of them were a kid and they were you know their dad or maybe they they wanted had the strong desire to play football and they get yeah. out wait a minute, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, what am I, I doing? I don't want to, I don't want to like, <laughs> do this. This I don't want to take this guy down. But yeah. that's something that's not really ever talked about. Like, well, I'd be curious. No. Have, have mm. you discussed that ever with your, any of your guy friends? Any of my guy friends? No, not really. Um, oh, have I? No, 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 I don't think I have. Uh, and I was kind of like, oh, can we play like soccer instead? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but like the 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 mature point of that is like, oh, I mean like you both will be fine, you know. Like ultimately, you aren't like permanently damaging the other person's life. So like then the stoicism comes in. It's like <laughs> get over it. And um, and I think that that was pretty pretty healthy. Um, but, like like also in in my life i've had a decent amount of like female friends and i've always been a little bit more of an empathetic listener than than some of other my male counterparts but like as i find as i get older i get a little bit more towards the get to the point kind of a thing and i think that also stems a little bit from like the business side of things where like um sometimes brevity and getting to the point is is better than being paralyzed by analysis and um and i just i just always kind of found it interesting because like um when i was in high school i i did a joint like martial arts class and like whenever we would spar i would forget that i'm like six two and 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 like 
I would notice like a little bit of fear in like the people I was fighting with. I'm like, why is that? Like I remember my teacher, he's like, bro, you're six two. I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. And um, yeah. So, so it's like, kind of like, as I got older, it was more of, I would tap more into like my competitiveness and like my, my disagreeableness. And, And part of it is realizing like, that competitive drive to do better and like feeling satisfaction of like, quote unquote, defeating someone isn't necessarily, you know, negative. Um, because so much, I think sometimes in, in, in modern society, like competitive people are almost viewed as like toxic masculine. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true. Like their, their competitiveness isn't necessarily for themselves. It's not necessarily selfish, you know, like, like back when we're cavemen, you know, bringing home the more like pigs meant you and your family and your loved ones. Like a lot of competitiveness isn't derived from, from like sheer ego. It's like, I care about, you know, the people around me and I want them to do well too. And I represent that It's also, it has a very tribal aspect to it. And um, I love that. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so that's, that's kind of how I, and like connected to, to my competitive drive and like realizing like, it's okay. It's okay to have those testosterone field moments of let's go. <laughs> no. I mean, um, it's also okay to have like a softer moment where you're offering oh, for sure. passion to someone who's yeah. Hard time, or yeah, you know, you get emotional over something that happened in your life, and yeah, you allow that to come up and feel it and express it, and not mm-hmm. feel like you're lesser of a person because yeah, you have yeah, and like so I think one thing, um, so like a lot of times, stoicism and and, and emotional control is associated with the masculine, and and while it has an element of truth to it. I think the negative side of that is like the absence of emotion isn't necessarily stoicism. Stoicism is you still have those emotions, but you control it. And I feel like sometimes like a more immature man or a more immature person just snuffs the feeling out. And that's not stoicism because that will an undealt with emotion still has consequences. And that's something I had to deal with. Um, because like I'd always interpreted stoicism that way is like the suppression of emotion rather than like dealing with it and, you know, still being in control of yourself. And like, and for me, that would metabolize or come out as like panic attacks. And, um, and we're like, and they would just hit me. Like, I remember my first ever like real panic attack. I was in college and I was about to switch majors and like, it was a good decision. I wanted to do it, but like I had a little bit of a perfectionist mentality and I'm like, Oh, if I'm doing this, maybe I'm a little bit of a failure. And like, but I remember when that panic attack hit me, it felt so strange. Cause like I felt neutral, but when it like it hit me, I'm like, all right, I need to be on the ground for a minute here. And like, it was, it was frankly scary. Um, and like it was just a consequence of me just like not properly handling what I was feeling, and and it's just it's not it's not 
good. And so that was really me being on the toxic side, I guess, of masculinity, of, of stoicism. Well, you, br- you brought up a good point about emotions as far as like, you know, undealt with emotions have consequences. And that's mm-hmm. so true because you're, if, if you aren't able to express your emotions or move them out of your body, they collect kind of like yeah. what you're saying with your neck, you know, all yeah. Exactly yeah. that was held in your neck, you mm-hmm. know, if they stay and the longer they stay there, it, it's a breakdown of the physical body, which yeah. then leads to illness, mm-hmm. chronic illness, disease, yeah. you know, uh, areas of injury, you know, you'll start to have injuries in different parts of your body. And yeah. so doing things to move that energy out, to have an awareness that they're there and then address them because they will show up in another way, like a panic attack, for instance. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't serve anyone. It, it does not. It's, and it is, no. it's, it's t- terrifying. I, yeah. I personally have, have come close to having two panic attacks in my life. Ouch. I feel it happening. And luckily at that point in my life, I had tools and strategies and I had an awareness of what was this wave that was coming. Mm -hmm. I could, I could see it and I could begin to feel it. And I refused to get like to get sucked into it. And so I was able to get myself to a place of managing it, but I can, the, the feeling of what I was getting pulled into was it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really, what I've heard, you feel like you're Mm -hmm. dying. Like you feel like it's, it's, yeah, during the moment, you're yeah. like, oh, is this it? And um, uh, But, like, I was so out of tune with my emotions. Like, they would just hit me. And I wouldn't have, like, much, like, buildup. And then, like, um, I would I would have, like, heart palpitations, even when, like, I was feeling calm. So, like, it really, it was, it was a journey to, like, kind of reconnect myself. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember, I'm a, I'm a pretty rational person and a skeptic in most things but um i was doing my my chest was so tight i went to um a family friend who was like a very good massage therapist and so she was trying to open up my chest which is something i was later told that they're told not to do and i found out why um (laughs) and um and so she was doing that and she's like oops i hit an emotional nerve i'm like what the hell does that mean and like and i started kind of like like, like crying a little bit, a lot, and, 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 and a, a bunch of stuff came to mind. Like, recently, I had a pet die that I was really sad about that I didn't really, like, let out, and, like, and she's like, yeah, you have some stuff you should deal with. I'm like, apparently. So, wow. um, so just in her working, your physical body tapped into your yeah. energetics and it yeah. opened up all of this emotional yeah. trap. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was kind of like a floodgate and, um, and, and it's just, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I get it. I need a better way of dealing with these things. <laughs> <laughs> so now, do you think that that's, that's, um, like a, an overarching theme for, you know, a, a guy in his thirties that's, you know, his career is like moving, there's some momentum, but you're not quite to where you would, you would ideally want to be. There's still fluxy places in your life. Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think so because I, I, well, at least I can't speak for everyone, but, but I feel like, especially at this point, you know, um, with a lot of guys 
we derive a lot of value from our competency in the world and what we do and like especially how other people value what we do um and if that isn't really like fulfilled then you know it it helped causes this like anxiety and a, and a feeling of insecurity and especially when you hit 30 um it's almost like a lot of guys expect like this should be a pretty high earning point of my career. And if it's not, they start feeling like, Oh God, um, am I less of a man? Did I not do this? And like, it really cuts to the core. Um, but at the same time, thirties are, you know, also pretty great because like, if you are, you are, most people do reach like a pretty good spot in their career, even though it is still relatively early. And like, it adds this extra sense of security and you're like, Oh yeah, I feel effective in the world. And that's pretty great. Um, sorry. And, and, um, yeah, I I feel like right now for, for me and, and probably other guys in my shoes, there's a lot of like, Oh, now this is like life's real (laughs) um but also i think especially for for my generation like the infamous millennials um i feel like there's a lot of nihilism i don't know if that's the right word or like i feel like there's a lot of guys like in my cohort cohort that still kind of struggle with life meaning a little bit and and like we either find it in you know whatever tribes we find ourselves in like different ideologies or or our careers and and like i feel like with like a lot of millennial men like a lot of us somewhat feel lost because we we've been told you know go out and find your own meaning and i feel like we've had a little bit less structure than than other generations and like while that isn't necessarily wrong i think it's left some people feeling isolated and um and it's very interesting so like at least endemic among millennials is is a distrust of of kind of like tradition and while I am a millennial and I agree with that to a degree. Like, like I, you, you see a lot of millennials moving away from like traditional religion and like, I think there are some positive aspects to religion, especially the community, the strong community. There are still enough negatives that make it so people don't necessarily want to join it. And, and like, but the thing is, we didn't really think through an alternative, you know, like what other structures do we go into? What other communities do we find? And I feel like many of us have found that, and, you know, we're a very entrepreneurial generation. So we found meaning through work and like having our careers attached to causes, trying to fix the nation. But I feel like sometimes we need to fix ourselves and our like local stuff over the macro and so like I feel like just with like a lot of millennial men we still somewhat feel lost and like and so like we're still kind of figuring out our way um do you think it's a belief or a uh a a, 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 mm, 
what is the word I'm looking for? Not disbelief. Do you think it's, mm-hmm. it's the, the, the thought process of there is no higher power, more of that atheistic viewpoint? Mm. Or do you think it's more of the doctrine and structure of an organized religion that has turned... I think, well, I think it's a combination. So I, I think the structure turns people off. Um, but like the structure is also, it's like primary selling feature. Um, uh, I think it's more of like the dogma that kind of turns people off, but also like, it, and this comes back a little bit to the mental health. It's, is, it's like with the way like society is kind of structured where like it's easier for us to become like isolated even though we're so connected with social media and that's a different conversation um <laughs> and and like us potentially not finding value in like careers it 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 pushes people to kind of a thing uh like what i mentioned earlier like a nihilism so like it, it typically i describe nihilism as something it's not a philosophy you willingly accept although you think you may think you do it's something that finds you so like if you're in a position where like you're detached from the world a little bit more depressed because of all this it, it's it's a consequence it, it's a it's a symptom of like other things going on in your life and so like i think when you see a friend who exhibits like real nihilism there is no meaning you should probably check up on them something's going on in their life um and like and like you kind of see it with with like with sometimes that that nihilism metabolizes itself as like now i want to tear down the system because i don't see it helping me at all so like it's like this this old african adage those not of the tribe want to burn it down and and so like this is, it's typically a problem with men uh, because we have testosterone and we, <laughs> might, we might take that really personally. And, um, uh, but, but there is help for, for help, excuse me, hope for, for, for millennial men because I feel like a lot of millennial men are, they're like, all right, I feel like I do have a lack of meaning. Let's go find it. And so you're, you're seeing, you know, people, do that by you know volunteering and like doing other things and really defining themselves redefining exactly like what masculinity is you know um is it is it that type of emotionally detached stoicism or something more mature like what i was mentioning and 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 stuff like that it's like masculinity isn't necessarily you know shaving your head and putting on that uniform you know it's about being competent in the world and like um really being there for for the people you care about you know and yeah yeah. that's really that that's so that's so true and i think that is you know whether you're a man or a woman that's something that's Mm. important you know that that it that is a part of who we are just as human beings yeah that Mm -hmm. and as human beings there are ways that we can tune into why we're here, what our soul is calling us to do. We talked about that a little bit in the beginning where you were talking about, you know, where you felt lit up in that moment. Um, Do you have any rituals to help you tune into your soul's voice or bring your soul online? Um, I, oh boy, Uh, let's see. I, I struggle somewhat with rituals. Um, but like stuff to, to bring my, 
boy. Um, to bring myself online. And but, it may not even be a, it ritualistic. It may be just those go-to things that you do that you enjoy to help you maybe still your mind so that you can hear when your soul is talking to you. Yeah. Um, well, all right. So, so at least like with COVID, one thing that I guess would be a little bit more like a ritual that, that I think helps me is I've tried um, doing like walks and like runs where like I bring nothing with me because most of the day I'm like tuned into something and like it's one of the few moments where I really like let myself just be and like um, it's pretty meditative you know once you get into that like um, runner's high as I call it um, and and I think that's a moment when I can really like let myself just be myself like whatever thought comes up or if it's just nothing um, and let's see, or like, or something to like awaken my soul. Huh? Um, yeah. Like, a, like what I said earlier, I use music a lot to like regulate my emotions. And I, I have a few like go-to tracks that either like remind me of like a moment where I was doing really well in something or like, just like something that really helps me like actually wake up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. That's, I feel like the, those are rather insufficient answers, but that's all I got at the moment. No, those are, that's fantastic. Cause there may, there may be folks out there who haven't really even thought about it, who haven't, don't even have any practices mm -hmm. to help them kind of tune in to themselves. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they didn't recognize that their morning run was, yeah so significant and right allowing them to listen or maybe empty out whatever is there you know because you can you know the run. yeah i love that you're running without anything you know yeah you're living in south florida you, you see people exercising all mm -hmm. the time every day but 99 yeah. percent of the people out there have headsets on or earbuds yeah. in or some sort of something going on some mm -hmm. of them are even like literally talking on the phone and they're not really totally yeah, present, present in that, in that moment. So the fact that you go out yeah, cold, nothing, that's yeah. cool. And I, I didn't realize how important it had become until like this month when I like, I didn't really do it. And I found myself getting cranky. I'm like, oh, it was important. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, so. it, is, it, is, it's, it, it is so important to get still or yeah. get moving and mm -hmm. get that's get important your mind quiet yeah yeah movement is important movement getting any mm -hmm. stagnant energy out getting it flowing so that you can let it go and that's huge yeah. huge yeah. huge huge so yeah we are animals you know that need to move so i feel like we forget that sometimes or at least don't recognize it oh. mm. one or the other yeah well, yeah. John, is there anything else you'd like to share with the soulful um, listen, listeners today about you, your work, your life, anything that would be of benefit to, to us? Huh. Um, oh, boy. That's a good question. Um, ultimately, what the, the real thing that I can tell you is sugar is the devil. <laughs> um, that's that's the, the most real takeaway. 
Um, and like, I had something really profound and it just fell out of my head. So it probably wasn't that profound. Um, hmm. Well, but, but it popped. Oh, oh, no, no. It, um, yeah. And another thing that I find particularly useful and I used to think it was hokey spiritual nonsense was, um, is like literally like gratitude, like look around and like see something that like you are legitimately happy about. And like, for me, this might sound a little bit hokey is like a, my cat that I found in a bush and like, uh, and I'll do that as like a nightly thing. So like I, I sleep well, um, because I used to not, and like, I don't know, like gratitude really does work. And I'm just, I, I be real honest. I used to think it was hokey spiritual nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it has to be legitimate though. You can't just be like, Oh, this, you know, you gotta find something that like, you know, legit. Well, I think it's, it's connecting, you know, to yeah. come full circle, connecting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, that feeling of gratitude right. to something in the physical world and you're feeling it in your physical body. It's bringing all of yeah. the pieces together, the mental, emotional, and spiritual physical all of that into one and literally in upping increasing your vibration helping you tune into another level of your human existence with gratitude it's it is for yeah. sure the the gateway to upping your vibe going into yeah. high vibe state so that's that's an awesome yeah that's an awesome suggestion I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I want to thank you so very much for coming on the Soulful Absolutely. podcast, the Mindful Men series, and sharing your thoughts, your life, your experiences, your insights. I yeah. am certain that there the the people listening are um, are are really thinking about things differently, are tuning into their their themselves in a different way they now understand sugar is the devil as you said uh maybe that could be a new cat your new what my new my new thing that i say yeah yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it, i mean that that is valuable for folks who may not really be paying attention to that maybe have yeah. an awareness around how much sugar they're taking into their body and how it's affecting them and on so many levels so again many many thanks and gratitude to you for for coming on and so appreciate it. So yeah, thank uh, you. yeah, so that's it. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Soulful Sessions with John Stahl during this Mindful Men series. Catch you here next time on Soulful Sessions. Beautiful.